So hey, today one of my friends is here, Dan Shannon. I love Dan. I don't know how we met Dan. I was trying to think maybe you could trigger this for me. Um, but Dan and his wife, Mina, they've been missionaries in South Africa, and then they've been at YWAM. Uh, he's kind of one of the leaders on the base, and you know, he's just an incredible all-around man of God, loves Jesus, loves his family, uh, probably loves Hawaii. Someone's got to suffer for the gospel. Um, <laughs> but... I don't know, man. You're just the real deal. And so it's an honor. Uh, they have family in Santa Barbara, so they were here. And I was like, yo, can we get you to share? And uh, he was like, yes. So I was like, okay, cool. So anyway, come on up, my friend. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. How did we meet, though? I, I think when Mian and I got married, I had heard about Isla Vista Church, and I just said, hey, can I come check it out? Uh, oh, yes, yes. There's been a lot of big fish. We get some, and then the reel breaks. I try to reel them in. They were considering. <laughs> it was getting closer, but and I haven't given up. So that's what this whole thing's about, actually, right now. No. <laughs> All right, bless you. Oh, thank you. Hey, you guys. Um, aloha. It's really, yeah, it's really good to be with you. Um, honestly, it's an honor to be with you guys. Um, I so uh, just look up to, to the Lomolinos, to this church, and just what God is doing here. My wife and I were just sitting back there in worship, just going, oh my gosh, this is, it's just so real, and it's so refreshing. And, and that's how I've always felt, uh, just with, with Jason and, and being around this community. Um, it's just so refreshing, and it really is an honor uh, to be invited to share, like, um, and, and just be a part of this this morning. And so, uh, thank you. Um, let me just pray, and then we'll, we'll get started. Um, yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, we thank you so much for an opportunity just to all come together as your body, um, to just participate as one body, um, just to, to worship you and to contemplate uh, you and the story and, and, and then participate in it. God, uh, yeah, I just ask that you would use my small loaves and fish this morning or this evening, <laughs> afternoon, um, in some way. Would you multiply it? Would you use it however you please? But um, yeah, just would you orchestrate this time? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to my heart? Would you guide and direct? And um, I just pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, well, yeah, as Jason shared, my name is Dan Shannon. Um, my wife, Mian, is sitting in the back here, and my son, Ryder, and my daughter, River. We've got three. Our youngest, India, is at home right now with the grandparents. She was sleeping. Um, but we live in Kona, Hawaii. I've been a part of Youth with a Mission now for the, almost the last 22 years, believe it or not. Uh, sounds kind of crazy. I went to university uh, at Bethel in St. Paul, Minnesota, not Bethel Redding, um, but Bethel. It's a small Baptist school. And uh, I went to go play ice hockey there. Um, just that was kind of my focus. I had no idea what to do with life or anything, but I got injured in the first three weeks of the season. I had three concussions in three weeks. And yeah, um, and I had a buddy from youth group in Denver, where I'm from, 
And he wrote me and he said, hey, you should check out this thing called YWAM. And I was like, why what? You know, and he, he, he wrote me back. He said, Youth with a Mission. It's this missions organization. Um, they're based in Hawaii. And, you know, and he started sharing a little bit about it. And he said something to the degree of, hey, I'm on outreach in Tonga. And God is real. You should check it out. And uh, I don't know if it had to do with the concussions, but I don't really remember why I applied. But I did. And, um, and the rest is history. I ended up yeah, I, the way that I describe uh, my own experience with YWAM was it felt like I met a God of today, not just a God of the Bible, but a, a God that's active and still speaking and uh, one that I can be a part of the story, you know, with. And, um, and I had no idea. I grew up in the church my whole life, but I just had no idea. Um, and so I, I had this desire in me after my discipleship training school. That's what most people do when they enter into YWAM, to continue on. And so I, I jumped on staff, and so that just means I was uh, like 20 years old and leading outreach teams to places I've never been. You know, this is quintessential YWAM. They give, you know, a 20-year-old $10,000 in cash and say, hey, lead these 18-year-olds to Cambodia, even though you've never been there. And um, yeah, it's just wild. And so... Uh, I started leading teams. Uh, I lived, it was a pretty good gig. I lived in Hawaii, led teams, you know, to places like Cambodia, Nepal. Uh, I led a team during the, uh, the papal transition, uh, uh, during Pope uh, Benedict, uh, to Rome. It, it was just, yeah, it, it, it was awesome. Uh, eventually, I, I did a school of biblical studies with YWAM and started teaching in YWAM. Um, uh, you know, we have discipleship trainings all over the, or training schools all over the world. And um, eventually, I'm just giving you the full rundown. I met my wife. We got married in 2009, moved to Cape Town, um, and started doing simple church planning. And um, that's really been my focus ever since uh, 2009, is recreating discipleship community um, and, and really uh, helping people to find church. Because how many of you know you can go to church and not have church? Uh, and so that's really our, our heartbeat. So that's just a little bit of background. But um, Jason asked, he said, hey, would you share on Proverbs? And I was like, okay, yeah, Proverbs sounds good. I was actually in Proverbs uh, while he, you know, when he, he threw this out at me. And so I started praying into it, and I felt like I had a sense right away, um, kind of just some direction uh, to share on. Um, and this was a few weeks ago. So uh, I question the Lord, though, because I'm going to share on one of the most, you know, more known Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, really? Like, do I got to be the guy that shares, like, the, you know, the proverb everybody knows? Uh, but I really, I really felt, yeah, just to roll with this. And um, this is, uh, I think the reason why is I, whenever I share, I often share from a place of what God's doing in me. Um, and so um, it wasn't too many weeks ago 
well, a couple months ago, actually, I had been training to do a half marathon. I've only done one half marathon. Don't be super impressed. Uh, but my buddy, he was like, hey, let's do this one. It's going to be over in Oahu. Um, it's called the like the Hapalau. And uh, it would be so fun if we trained together. And so I thought, all right, I need to get in better shape. Let's do this. So we ended up training. And eventually, we, uh, we cruised over with uh, my whole family and my buddy Cole and Caitlin. We all went over, and his grandma has like a, a condo in Waikiki. It was a perfect scenario. So we all go to this condo, and we went a couple days before the race. And so, you know, we're just enjoying Oahu. It's so nice to move off of Kona. Kona is kind of a small town, and so we love to go to Oahu because it's like big city. And so we're just hanging out. And one of my favorite things to do whether I'm in Oahu or here, is wake up early and go to a coffee shop. Can I get an amen? Right? You know, so uh, I woke up early. It's like my time, right, before the kids are up. And so um, I woke up super early, and I was like, I'm going to go out on a walk, and I'm going to go grab a coffee. This is going to be awesome. I knew a great coffee shop right around the corner, and I got to walk through the harbor to get there over on, uh, you know, in Waikiki. So I go out. And uh, I, I just start to, to, to go on my walk, and it's so nice. And this is the, the primary way I, I connect with God, is going on walks and talking. Uh, some people, uh, you know, they, they, like, they're, they like, prefer like sitting and praying or prayer room and praying, which I also enjoy. But for whatever reason, walking and talking uh, helps me. So I went out, and I'm walking and talking, and... I'm, 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 you know, the trajectory to the coffee shop is along this sidewalk, and it's right next to all these, these boats, um, like on the harbor. And as I'm walking, I notice, oh, there's a man up ahead, and it's like, you know, early six in the morning, and he's on all fours on the sidewalk. So evidently something's up, right? Evidently he's, he's you know, either drugs or maybe, um, uh, maybe he's, he's an alcoholic. I don't know. But I can tell something's up, right? And so as I'm getting closer, that feeling comes. That feeling of, I should do something, but I have no idea what to do, right? And then as I'm getting closer, I'm thinking, oh, awesome. Missionary Dan has no idea what to do, right? Like here I've been, like, you know, in missions and, and doing ministry. Like I should be like this, this like crazy evangelist by now, right? And so as I'm getting close, I just see him, and I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I have no idea what to do. And I'm getting closer and closer and closer, and there's no way for me to not do one of these, right? You know? And that's what I did. And, and because I'm, I'm, and I'm having the conversation. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And the thought comes, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where there's this guy and he's been robbed and everybody's, pat the religious guy passes him and everybody. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm the religious guy. You know, here we go. And so I walk by him and I'd be lying to say I'm not disturbed inside. And so I continue to have the conversation as I walk by and I'm like, Lord, I know that you would have me do something, but I don't know what to do. I, I, like, I, I'm, I feel paralyzed. I'm frozen, right? And, and the condemnation, you know, continued to set in and whatnot. So I go and I get my coffee. And I just thought, Lord, I, I just kind of started thinking, what do I do? And I just felt like, would you show me, God? Would you show me? 
And I got back outside and I, th- I said, Lord, if he's still there, then yeah, like I'll do something. I don't know, but would you, would you just show me what to do? You have to show me. I don't know what to do. I literally don't know what to do. And so as I'm getting closer, I see him still there and I'm going, I literally don't know what to do, God. Would you just speak to me? Would you show me what to do? Would you, would you just help me to know? I'd, I'll do it if you show me. I'll do it if you show me. I'll do it if you show me. You know, like literally that's kind of the thought process I was having. And guys, I'm not kidding. I got up, like he, let's say this is him right here. So I'm getting closer and I'm like, show me what to do. Just show me what to do. Show me. There's a booth right here for the boats that they rent, right? A woman steps out when I'm right here, right? And she goes, sir, can you help me with this man? And I was like, yeah, yes, I can, you know? And I put my coffee down. I said, I w- yes, she took control, you guys. She goes, here, you grab his arm. I was like, yeah, yeah, great, yeah, you know? And she's like, now, now, now help him stand up. We need to help him stand up. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, let's do, yeah. And then I just kind of kept listening to her, like, now what? You know, and she, she, she's like, okay, you, you know, she's like, this guy, nobody helps these people, and we need to help him. I mean, look, he's, you know, and I was like, absolutely. And she goes, let's just walk him across the street. And I was like, okay, yeah. So we started walking him across the street, and I'm, the, this woman couldn't have been any more directive like literally left, right, sit down, up, down, right? And so, and, and I walked over, we bring him over to a restaurant and it, it was eye-opening. This, this woman comes out and she, she goes, no, 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 you, you, you cannot bring that kind of person in here. And we were like, what? And she's like, no, I know what he's been doing. No, you can't bring him in here. And so then she, I, I didn't know what to say, of course. So she goes, oh, come on, you know, can we just get him a glass of water? And I was like, yeah, you know, and so... <laughs> And so, so then we walked him back over and, and she's like, well, let's just bring him over here. Let's sit him down. And then she just started, you know, sir, what's your, what's your name? Can we get a phone number? Can we get this? And then she calls like the hospital. We found a hospital band on him. She calls a hospital. Come to find out she's a Christian. Come to find, it was wild. We get the guy back up on his feet and, and walking and, and, and tore it, he, he had a boat nearby, he said. So, but the, 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 the moral of the story, or however you want to say it, is God shocked me. And, and I realized God was go, like kind of going, look, Dan, I'm not expecting you to know how to handle every situation, right? But what is it that's inside of us that thinks Christian maturity means that we need less of God? Right? Right? Like, well, there's something in us that feels like, oh, as I grow in my faith, I'm going to need less and less of him. I'll just know how to handle these situations. I'll just know what to do, and I'll know what verse to say, and I'll know how to say it, and I'll have this strategy or whatever, right? But lean not on your own understanding, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. And oh, it just hit me, hit me so, so hard. I'm doing a, a, um, 
I'm at the tail end. I'm in the last week of a master's program right now uh, uh, on Christian formation and discipleship. Uh, it's been phenomenal, but it was supposed to be two years, I think, and it's been three and a half because of COVID. And so I'm ready to be finished. But um, one of the things that uh, I have particularly focused on is the story of God in, um, in my, my master's program. And I don't know, if do we have that picture by chance that we could put up? I had sent a picture. Yes, this is it. Okay, perfect. So in my program, we've talked a lot about Christian formation. If I were to just kind of give you the like ABCs is how do we grow? Right? Like when you commit to saying, I want to follow you, Jesus, like what, what does it look like from that point on? We looked into everything to neuroscience, like how do our brains develop, to, you know, uh, education, like what's the best way uh, to learn. Um, we went a lot into story and how story, hands down, globally, is the best way that people receive, you know, it's, it, because it connects the left brain and the right brain together, right? And of course, we uh, have a story here, right? We, we've got the story. And so, but we often don't talk about it as a story. We dissect it in, in our Western context. That's kind of what we've made it is like this uh, self-help book versus a story. And so this whole time I, you know, was looking at all this information as a dad. And so I kept lenses on going, how do I take this down to my family? And so for my capstone project, which is basically my way of practicing something that I've learned, uh, we brought the story into images. And I was taking all of these thoughts of left brain, right brain, you know, visual learning. And we engraved uh, the, the, each one of these images uh, onto stones. And they, they, uh, I have them up here if you want to see them later. I, it's kind of hard to share, but they're stones, and they're, I, we place them on this piece of wood. And I had seven families have this at their dinner table for eight weeks, uh, just these images, to help their parents draw them into the story of God, all for the heart of, like, stay in the story. But that being said, the reason I, I share that is because my mind has been immersed in the story. Like, how do we take the story of God, the Bible, and bring it down to a level, you know, that, it, it, that we can just stay in and stay present to, right? Uh, but I just want to kind of highlight something. So the story starts with this triangle, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, right? It's so important that we start the story there. Oftentimes, we'll start the story at creation, but it actually starts with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect love, perfect relationship. The story starts with love. It doesn't start bad. It starts amazing. God was not lonely. He, wasn't, he didn't need us. He wanted us. Just like when my wife and I got married, we were good. But then we were like, man, we want to share this love, and we want to receive love. Let's have kids, right? So, we, we, so you move there on to creation. That's what this circle is, the second one, right? So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they create everything, including you and me. And it says that we're created in the image of God, in the image of the communal God. So we are created to be in relationship just like our God. That's the most unique thing about our God. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. It's a mystery, but that's what makes the Christian God the Christian God. And you and me are created in his image, and therefore, we are created to, just like him, be in community, live in community. In other words, live with God. And that was what was so amazing about the garden. 
is we lived with God. Humanity was with him. That's what made it so amazing. Not that everything was perfect, right? The reason it was perfect is because it was with God. But then, of course, the rebellion happens. The snake comes, the serpent, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but, you know, sin, the powers of sin and darkness affected things. And there's this, this, this um, some would call it a separation, others would call it like a, a blindness, but, but it affected things, right? Our ability to walk with God and do life with God. But right from that point, God gave a rescue plan. Moving on to Israel, as described with the stone tablets, right? And you've got Israel here, and this is God's rescue plan. He said to Adam and Eve, he said, hey, there's a seed coming, right? From, from, from Abraham, there's a seed that's going to come, and, and it's actually, he's going to give you the ability to walk with me again, right? So then, Jesus comes And not only did he die and resurrect for us, he lived 33 years of life to show us how to walk with God. He gives us such a beautiful illustration of walking with God. We look at Jesus and we go, if you want to know what does life look like walking with God, like Adam and Eve, look at Jesus, right? So not only did he die for our sins, he shows us this through his humanity, like how to walk with God. And then through his death and resurrection, He gives us the Holy Spirit, and he actually says, it's actually better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come on you so that you can walk with God, right? With God, right? And then he promised that there's going to be this age to come when Jesus comes back, and we're going to be with God, right? You might hear the word with a lot, right? And that's the point, because it's not to wean off, right? The point of the story is to walk with God in everything we do. And that's become really a goal. If I were to say like a goal in my own life is how do I walk with God more and more and more throughout the day? In an environment like YWAM, we have a lot of highs, right? We're always talking about like glory stories and everything. And that's awesome, right? But man, I've been captivated by the theology of the ordinary lately of how do we live with God in the ordinary? It's one thing to live with him in the extraordinary. It's another thing to walk with him in the the normal things of life, right? So anyway, moving onward, um, uh, another, you know, illustration of this that struck me, and this was when my son Ryder, he was probably four years old, I think, and we had moved to Kona, and uh, four or five. And uh, he and I, I can't remember why, but my wife stayed at home with the girls, and my son and I, we went to church, um, the church that we're a part of, and we went there, and it's just he and me, and we're sitting there just like this, you know, and uh, uh, the pastor shares, like, oh, it's Communion Sunday. And I was like, it kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, yes. Because I hadn't done, like, proper communion with my son yet. And I was like, okay. So I kind of got into dad mode, like, okay, I can do this. I'm a teacher, like, sweet. This is is great. This is a good opportunity. So, you know, we all come up, and at our church, you go up, and you get the the bread, and you get the the juice. And I came over, you know, to my son, and I was like, all right, buddy, here we go. Okay, you know, dad's got this. Dad talks about this all the time, you know. So 
I started off and I started sharing with him and I was like, all right, buddy. So remember, we've talked about Jesus and, you know, and I started and I started saying, you know, the good news of the gospel is that when we follow Jesus's ways, then life, and I almost said like, life is better or something like that, right? And I was like, shoot, that's not what I, I don't want him just to have this thing that the gospel is about a better life with, you know, right? So I was like, no, 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 okay. So I was like, all right, buddy. So let me take that back. So, so, so actually, when we live, you know, and, and when we have Jesus in our lives, he gives us purpose. And I almost went the direction of, like, purpose, right? Like, for God, uh, you know? Like, like it, as though the gospel is all about just doing something for God, and now we have purpose, so that makes our life better again. And I was like, no, that's not exactly how I want to angle it. So I was like, okay, okay, you got this, you got this. So I was like, okay, all right, buddy. So, you know, and I just heard the Lord whisper with, uh, and I was like, yes, yes, buddy, the good news of the gospel is that he made a way for us to live life with him. And that's the good news. And and, and it, it just, again, it just hit me so hard, right? Um, but it goes back to keeping God in the equation. But what's with this tension, right, that we feel that, again, especially in Christian communities, I, I, I speak for my own in YWAM, where there's this sense of weaning off God, like if you become mature <laughs> in your faith, right? Kind of going back to what we were saying. I and I, I thought of the story of the rich young man, right, in Matthew that Jesus highlights, where he, he you know, this, oh, let me just go there. Matthew chapter 19. Um, it says, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love, the Lord, or love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than or for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And it goes on. But what stood out to me about this is this man was like, all right, did that. Yep. You know, did that like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm living like the godly life right. But it, it was a to-do list for him. It wasn't walking with God, right? But there's something when, when, we, when we get, you know, when we're in need, we tend to walk with God, right? And I think there's something here when Jesus says, hey, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Why? Because if he gave everything away, he's going he's gonna to start to need Jesus. He didn't need him, right? And this was another Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 28 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fail, 
but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. I heard somebody mention righteousness, you know, trying to describe righteousness, and I loved, they said, think of it more as, you know, I don't know about you, but when I think of righteousness, I think of being good, being moral, being something. But they described it as right relatedness. And I love that, right relatedness to God, like walking with him. And so with that in mind, let me read that again. Whoever trusts in his riches will fail. This is Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous, the right related will thrive like a green leaf. I love that. Another story, though, uh, and all these stories include my son. My son's back here. Um, he's probably going, Dad. Uh, so, uh, but God teaches me so much through uh, my relationship with my son. And um, so when, uh, in, in this story, it, it, going back to this tension of this, this, yeah, but I should be further down the road. Yeah, I should know this by now. I should know how to do this, right? And this really hit home when my wife, we lived in Cape Town for about three years. We were working with a guy named Floyd McClung uh, doing church planning. And we had this desire to bring what we had learned back to our YWAM community in Kona to see more fruit that remains. Little did we know how hard that would be. And it's one of those scenarios where once we left, we realized what we had. And we had a, an incredible community in Cape Town. And so when we moved back to Kona, uh, you know, we, we got there and it was nobody's fault, but we just, we felt like we stepped into a, a river going a thousand miles per hour that way. And we were like, hey guys, let's go this way. And we just got eaten alive. And we, had, we were newlyweds and, and it, we just didn't have any community. It was probably the hardest season of our lives. And... Um, it was really, really hard. And, and to make matters more challenging, we found out that we were pregnant right at that time. And um, they say that uh, <laughs> the, the three, three of the most challenging things on a marriage are uh, changing jobs, moving locations, and getting or having a kid. And we were doing all three. So uh, I was like, oh man, here we go. So I remember feeling so discouraged, like so incredibly discouraged. Uh, and again, this thought came to my mind of, this is not how I envisioned my firstborn coming into this world. Like, like, and I remember it hurt. It hurt. Because here I am 15 years doing ministry, YWAM, and I thought, oh, I thought like when my son came into the world, I'd be a leader. I'd be, I'd have some ministry by now, Right. Uh, I, that I pioneered, or we would be doing something that's just flourishing. And here we are struggling in our marriage in Kona. And I went out for a run, and I was running and just kind of trying to, to talk with the Lord. And I remember he so clearly said, Dan, your definition of blessed is not my definition of blessed. And uh, I felt like he pointed me to Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes and, you know, and the Beatitudes are Jesus when he's on the Sermon of the Mount and he shares, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I felt like the Lord just said, Dan, your definition of blessed is not my definition of blessed. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read, I was like, that's not my definition of blessed. But I could, my, the, the season I was going through, much more related to that, you know. And I felt like the Lord just comforted me and said, your son could not be born into a better atmosphere of you needing me. And oh, you guys, it broke me. And I was like, you're right, you're right. And it made me excited. It made me happy. It made me go, yes, so good on you guys. Like, yes, like you don't have to have it all together. You know, like that's not like you're not meant to be like if you're going into parenting, you know, like I got this. Then let's, you know, talk about the warning signs. Um, (laughs) So um, but what I love so much, especially in my, you know, as I'm a missionary or in ministry uh, and for many of you, I know also are in ministry. I love this. And this could be my own interpretation, so I will put that disclaimer out there. But you go through the Beatitudes, and he, he just defines this, you know, what blessed is. And it's like mourning, you know, uh, poor in spirit, persecuted, meek, all these things. And then he goes on, and he says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let me ask you this. What does it look like to shine your light? Because from what I read there, he just went through, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are mourning, blessed are those who are going through persecution. It doesn't sound like, hey, go and shine your light and show them you're a super Christian and that you've got it all figured out, right? Like, it's, it's not to go up and be like, hey, my life is perfect. You should follow Jesus, <laughs> right? It, that's not what I read, right? But we laugh. But how often do we feel that that's how it's supposed to be? right? Oh, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I should have it more together. My marriage should be, I should be farther down the road by now, or I should have X, Y, whatever, right? And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God doesn't help us in our marriages or in our lives or anything and that, you know, but I'm just saying that there's, there's, there's lies within that, right? So all that to say, practically speaking, let me, let me try to, to seal this up. Um, so what does it look like going back to that Proverbs, you know, to, to, um, to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Well, I come from a great tradition in YWAM of hearing God's voice. If there's one thing that Youth With a Mission is known for, it's learning to listen to God, obey, and see him move. Uh, I've been immersed in that environment where if you were to come into YWAM, that is one of our primary values. It's like one of the first things you're going to be like focusing on is how do you have a two-way conversation with God? So 
That being said, through my years there, I've learned a lot within that of what, it, what hearing God's voice is and what it isn't. And let me just encourage you, going back to the Father heart, if I were to just say, hey, uh, you, know, how, you know, if you're sitting here going, sweet, Dan, but how do I lean not on my own understanding? How do I do this? The word I would give you this morning is try. Not get it perfect. Don't feel like you got to have it all together. Just try. And, and let me share uh, one last analogy that I would hope will help kind of uh, capture the father's heart there. Again, going back to my son, Ryder, you're becoming famous this morning. Uh, when uh, he was around, again, probably four years old, um, our house is, is shaped. When you come into our, our front doorway and you come into the doorway, you, the first thing that's here. Um, is a di- well, there, there was a dining room table. So if you picture an L, you come into a room, there's like a long room, and then it turns drastically, and there's another long room. So when you, are, when you come into our house and you sit at the table, you can't see in the kitchen. The kitchen is on the other side of the L. You tracking with me? Yeah, so the kitchen is over there. So if you're in here uh, in the entryway, you cannot see there. So there was a time when I could yell into the kitchen, right, and not see, well, it's still a time, but when I yelled in and, and, and my son was there and I said, hey, Ryder, can you get me a cup of orange juice, right? Now, my son's in the kitchen. I can't see him, but I can hear him. And he goes, yeah, daddy, right? So to illustrate this, we have stools in our uh kitchen, right? So I'm sitting in here and I can hear what's going on. I hear him. He's not tall enough to get a glass. So I hear, scoots the chair over, right? Because he's going to climb up to the cupboard to get a glass, right? Then what do I hear? I hear, right? And then what I hear, I hear, clank, clank, clank. And I, like, I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, glasses, you know, like, is it going to break? And I hear him grab a glass. Then, of course, uh, 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 uh. then what do you hear? Well, he's got to go get the juice, but he's not tall enough, right? <laughs> Opens the refrigerator, right? Uh, I hear him grabbing for drinks and the splash, right? Messy. I hear it splashed, and I'm going, going to have to clean that up. Okay. Then he gets down, of course, scoots it over again. Then I hear him spill a little bit, pour it up. But the thing that I didn't mention is when he went to the refrigerator, he actually went for the apple juice. He didn't grab the orange juice, right? So he comes into me, and uh, he's got a big smile on his face, right? Like he's like, I just got dad his juice, right? (laughs) So here I am waiting, you know, waiting for my son here. I'm waiting. And he brings it in. and He's like, Dad, here's your juice. Now, let me ask you, as a good dad, (laughs) what's my response going to be? Am I going to be like, what? How dare you obeyed me? Or tried to obey me, right? No, of course, like all of us are like, no, that's absurd. 
right? Every single one of us would go, no, that's absurd. Like, obviously, I heard his full intention was trying to obey me. He tried to hear me. He tried to get the right juice. He tried to do it in his, the best way he knew how. It was messy. I'm going to have to clean it up, whatever, right? But no, he brought it to me. And as a good dad, I'm going to go, buddy, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for doing that for me. And I see two possible scenarios. Either one, I'm not going to even tell him. I'm just going to use that, right? Or... I'm going to say, buddy, I'm going to give this to your sister. Can you go get me some orange juice? You know, right? But I think of the Lord turns all things to good for those who love him. That's the father's heart. But guys, coming from an environment where we focus so much on hearing God's voice, if there's one thing I've learned, you can so easily freeze up in paralysis, right? You can be like, oh, man. What do I do next? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go to Jesus Burgers next year and stay? Do I join Isla Vista Worship? Or do I go home? You know, and, and you, get, you, you try so hard, right? You, that, that cringing hearing God's voice position where you're just like. <laughs> you're trying so hard. I just want to just, hey, guys, like, yeah, do your best, but then just try. And you know what? God's either going to bless it or he's going to reroute you. You don't have to stress it. You really don't. But the good news of God, like the most beautiful thing, how crazy is this? Let's say this is God's will for your life, okay? Let's say this is where he's speaking. And you're standing right here and you're like, all right, lean not on my own understanding. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you're like, Go to the last pew. Okay, okay. So you, you're like, great. But no, that's not God's will. Oh, shoot. You're going to miss your wife or your husband, right? <laughs> but the goodness of God, remember how Jesus in the story promised and said, hey, it's actually better for the Holy Spirit to be with you. Why? Because he's going to walk with you. And so when you pass this, guess who's with you? Holy Spirit. And what I've found in my own life is not only is he going to reroute you, but he's going to go, oh, well, since you're over here, you should totally come and meet her. you got to meet her. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, it's so good to meet you. Yeah, so wonderful. Oh, and you should meet him. He, I've been meaning for you. Oh, man. And he's going to teach you something through him. And he's like, oh, and there's this beautiful waterfall over here. You should come over here. Hey, let's take the 101, you know, and then cruise over here. And then, but what's wild is eventually you're going to find yourself back here and you're going to look back and go, if I hadn't missed it, I would have never met her. I would have never learned that. I would have never seen that waterfall or taken the 101. It was actually better for me to miss it. How does that work? That's the goodness of God, right? Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to fear it, but only you know, right? Like, I'm not giving you like a disclaimer, like a get out of jail. Just, hey, just go try to fail. No, like, <laughs> like, like, no, like I'm talking about a heart that's genuine. Think about my son. He's genuinely trying, right? And only you know. Are you genuinely trying? Just to close, I, uh, again, <laughs> so after our trip to Oahu, we live in a cul-de-sac. And I think um, pretty much every person in our cul-de-sac doesn't know the Lord. And we've been there now for close to seven years. And there's this one particular gentleman 
Tom that we love. But I'd be lying to say, now that we're seven years in, that I've figured out how to reach my neighbors. <laughs> and again, it's one of these missionary dance scenarios. Like, oh, shoot, shouldn't I have, like, had a revival here by now? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, so with that, I, I, I went to Oahu, came back, and I was like, all right, God, let's just be real. I have no idea what to do. Like, I've tried relationship, I've tried this, but where do I get with this? And so in the morning, I just started, same thing. If you show me what to do, I'll do it. If you show me what to do, I'll do it. If you show me what to do, I'll do it. That's just been my prayer. You guys, I prayed that. Within like two or three days, I'm at Costco, and his wife, Anto, walks up to me. And she's like, and she walks past me. I'm like, hey, Anto. And she's like, oh, hey, Dan. And it was one of those ones where we were like, uh, 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 see ya. You know, and, but, but then I was like, oh, shoot. I, that was probably an opportunity. And so I went back. I was like, Anto, Anto. I was like, hey, how's Tom doing? You know, I know he's been having back pain and stuff. And she goes, oh, man, yeah. He's, and she just, just like unloaded and shared everything. And she goes, yeah, he's, that, that spiritual stuff you've been talking to him about, I think that's probably really good for him right now. I think you should do that. Like, and I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> totally, right? And again, like, it just, the Lord teed it up. But again, it wasn't because I've, you know, been in missions for 20 years and I knew exactly what to say now, <laughs> right? No, I had nothing to do with that. So all that to say, guys, when you are weak, you are strong. Let me close there. And uh, why don't we all stand? Let's, uh, let me just play for you, and we'll seal it up. So God, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you that you are not calling us to be superheroes. You're not calling us to be super Christians. We see that in Corinthians with Paul and everything. And yeah, when we are weak, we're actually strong because we, it, it draws us into walking with you. And so, God, I, I, I just ask that you would help each person here. Um, will you help us to walk with you a little bit more? I ask that you would guard us from condemnation. And will you help us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you, God? And will you make our path straight, God? I really do ask that. And, and would you just show us your glory, Lord? Show us when we just come to, yeah, to this place of just going, just show me how to do it, Lord. And would you just help us to be available? We love you. We thank you for the story. We thank you for making a way for us to walk with you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.